This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com, episode 17. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I finally got that right after like two episodes. I'm so proud of myself. I'm Colton. I thought you were dead. Oh, well, no, Sid, I, I, like... I had I, I had stuff to do. I just I just left for like two weeks. Like j- just because I don't talk to you for two weeks doesn't mean I'm dead. I mean that's that's kind of hurtful. It really hurts mm. my feelings. <laughs> I guess that Felord guy was lying through his teeth. That or someone used Dragon Balls to revive you. Yeah, who let that guy on our show? I thought I thought we were better about security around here. I don't know. I guess maybe it was an illusion created by Aizen Zanpakuto, and so we didn't think it was, like, out of the ordinary. Because, of course, that that's, like, the most hacked ability. Or, or it could have been, or it could have been an enemy stand. <laughs> it could have been an enemy stand, who knows? An enemy stand that makes you think that something out of the ordinary is perfectly ordinary. Honestly, that sounds like a really, like, overpowered stand power that Araki would come up with and probably forget how it works like halfway through the story. I'm honestly pr- surprised he hasn't. Though it, it is a kind of power that I've, you know, thought about, you know, kind of be interesting. Like, you know, somebody is doing these really, you know, things that are like out of the ordinary and like really dangerous, but like no one pays any mind or thinks it's out of the ordinary. They think it's normal. Like that would be a weird, really weird psychological power. That you'd have to try it out with, because if you were the only one who realized this guy is doing bad stuff, but no one else, you know, recognizes that that guy's doing bad stuff, like, how are you going to be able to, like, stop that guy and prove to everyone that he's really doing terrible things? Kind of like Death 13 from um, from Part 3 in a way, maybe? Yeah, kind of like that. Also kind of like, you know, those cartoon premises where, you know, there's this one guy who's, like, doing these really bratty things. And then, you know, one of the characters tries to point out that he's doing these horrible things, but, like, everyone, like, doesn't believe him. And it's kind of, you know, like that, like, like that Bendy episode of Foster's Home of Imaginary Friends. Kind of like that. Yeah, that's definitely a thing they do in cartoons a lot. But in all seriousness, I, I really want to thank uh, thank your brother for coming on the show and filling in for me. Yeah, well, he owed you because listening to one podcast reveals helped him stay awake one night. Oh, did it really? <laughs> yeah, like he was studying like last night and he's listening to one podcast reveals and he dozed off and then apparently like something really loud happened. <sighs> like when you were talking or something and I woke him up and so he said oh. to stay up. <laughs> So, well, yeah. I'm I that's that's funny because usually when usually when I wake people up with my voice it's usually god Colton why are you so loud? Do you not know what an inside voice is? I was literally just told that like last week. Yeah, well, no, in this case it really helped them out. I don't I don't know me and me and Doc were probably doing some kind of dumb bit cuz there are a lot of those in the latest one podcast prevails episode. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them, in my opinion, are very funny. Sid, when are you going to get on animating those, by the way? <laughs> I don't have time. I've been <laughs> drowning in work. Oh, all right. Well, when you when you get less busy, you, you need to get on those. It's, it's, yeah, it's my... when I get less busy, <laughs> a.k.a. next May, when my thesis is done. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I can wait. I got <laughs> I got all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. 
I wish I had all the time in my world. <laughs> oh boy. Um but we should probably get on to actual manga stuff. So I think first off, um since um I don't I forget if you and your brother talked about I, I know I I know you and your brother talked about uh Promise Neverland a bit last episode, which um, in the time that that episode was released, um, it's now a part of the Viz Shonen Jump lineup, which I think is a great thing. Yes, I am so glad that they added it. It is a treat to read every week. I've been totally enjoying it. A really different kind of series running in Jump right now. It it actually keeps me at the edge of my seat because, like, I really don't, I really don't know what's going to happen every chapter. Like, it's it's actually it's like I don't know. I feel like. I feel like it's something akin to Death Note, where it's one of those, like, kind of mind... It is very strategy-focused. Yeah, it's one of those mind-game kind of manga sort of things, and I, I really like reading series like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, the brilliant thing about the series is that it addresses, like, every question that you might have, and all the characters, you know, are thinking the same things and trying to come up with, like, hypotheses for how the world works and, like, how they can escape and try to figure out what, you know, mom is thinking and like try and figure out like what her game is and how to outwit her. And it's like a real back and forth because we also, you know, are trying to figure out what the deal with mom is and like what the deal with the world is. And it's really interesting because we're learning more alongside the characters and we're coming up with like theories alongside the characters. It's really cool. And like, I really love this kind of battle of wits, this strategy-based survival kind of story. Like, it's not something you usually see in Jump, especially not in recent years. Like, it's really, it's really, really unique, really cool. And like, I've found it a treat to read every week. I mean, it's ever since it first got added in magazine, like every chapter has just kept me enthralled. And I'm really looking forward to where it's going. Yeah. Hopefully it stays in the magazine because this is actually this is actually a good series and I really enjoy reading it. I I, I really hope it's, you know, hit with Japanese readers, too, and we'll be uh, seeing it stick around for a good while. I mean, as long as the mangaka, you know, uh, is able to tell a complete and satisfying story. Um, Definitely. So I think we should probably talk about the other two jump starts since we... Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about those yet. Um, so, um, Sid, I have a lot of thoughts on Love Rush. Okay. And my thoughts are, um, they're, they're pretty concise, but I think they, um, I, I think they say what I, what I need them to say. And I think I know how to get my point across when I say this. Next. Next, next, next thing, please. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I knew, I guess I kind of sort of knew what series it was probably going to be going in, you know, just judging. And I, I hate judging a book by its cover, but sometimes with anime and manga, it's pretty easy to do as much as I hate to admit that. Um, God, like not even, not even five pages in and I already thought it was bullshit. <laughs> I think it broke a record. Oh, this guy has a G is genetically, you know, a super hunk. Like all women are drawn to him because he's genetically like super handsome looking. 
Like, it's like Uber, the Uber male gene. Oh, also Monster Girls, because apparently yeah. that's a popular thing right now. It is a popular thing right now. Like, ever since Monster Musume, there's been, like, hordes of new series that are all aping this Monster Girl premise. I mean, I, I'll give it this. Some of the art I thought wasn't too bad, but, like, yeah, I'm... I, re- I read the first chapter, and I immediately didn't want to read anymore. I just wasn't interested. There's two ways to look at the series. One is that, you know, this uber male gene thing, like, is shows kind of how, like, bullshit it is. And then the other way to look at it is that, oh, wow, this is kind of tongue-in-cheek. This is kind of playing on tropes. Sure. And so the first two chapters, I felt, kind of walked that tin line, where in some respects, it's playing the concept straight. But then in other respects, it's really subverting, uh, you know, harem and uh, romance anime manga cliches. I mean, the biggest moment, I think, that really showed this was in the second chapter, when the main character confessed his love to his crush. There were no misunderstandings. Like, he made his feelings perfectly clear. And so that entire thing, which usually would take hundreds of chapters, you know, to get out in any other normal anime manga romance series, you know, has already been taken care of. And, like, the goal of the series is not for the main character to confess his feelings to his love interest, because now that's all taken care of. The goal is to, like, have a relationship with his crush while avoiding the advances of these hordes of weird monster girls who are all out to hook up with him. So in that respect, you can think of it is, you know, playing and subverting with, you know, the normal harem and romance uh, anime and manga tropes. And so I thought there was potential in that. And then in the third chapter, it kind of went in a more standard direction by introducing this succubus character who is this shy... Nervous mm-hmm. girl is like, eh, okay, now this is not as interesting way to take it. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it de- really depends. Like, I could see the series going either way. I think that, you know, if it, if it focuses on, like, playing with tropes and kind of subverting, like, normal, the normal cliches, I think that, you know, it has potential, but if it just is going to put all of that subversion in the first two chapters and then it's just going to play the rest of it kind of straight, then it's not as interesting. Because, yeah, that third chapter, like, I was, you know, optimistic reading the first two chapters. I was noticing, oh, you know, this is, there's some cleverness here. And the third chapter is like, meh, this is, this is pretty standard. It's, you know, not. Very yeah. interesting. So, I I do remember kind of skimming through chapter two, and I did notice that he, the main character guy, does confess his feelings to his childhood friend and all that stuff pretty soon. And I I thought I I thought that was I thought that was decent. It just like you said, I I saw a little bit of potential when I when I saw that. But I mean, y- you know what other romantic comedy did that, but also did it better? My love story. Damn it, how did you know? <laughs> because you tweeted about it earlier, and I saw the tweet. I I did. I 
That's what I think about Love Rush. If you if you want a good ro- uh, romantic comedy, an actual good one, go watch and or read my love story. That's a that's a good romantic comedy, an actual good romance. Yeah, one of the few one of the few series that actually shows a couple working through a relationship, you know, being in a relationship as opposed to the series being about them getting in a relationship, which is very much welcomed. And I, I want to go on record and say I, I usually I really I can't stand romantic comedies. I hate rom coms. I just I just don't like them. I don't think they're entertaining. They just they just make me upset, especially when it comes to a- uh, anime romantic comedies. Um, but my love story is good. I love it so much, and everybody should go read it or watch it. Yeah, my love story is pretty great. Pretty, it's. I'm not. I'm pretty sure that it's not the only series that focuses on a couple in a relationship. Oh no, I, totally. But it's definitely one of the very few I've seen. I'm definitely, I definitely really enjoy it. It's not my favorite. My Zanakoku still my favorite. There's a whole a lot of other things in My Zanakoku, kind of like backing that series. But yeah, my love story is definitely. One of the best uh, romance series you can read. Well, there you go. Um, lastly, uh, the last of the three jump starts uh, we got recently, uh, we got, uh, there was a Red Sprite, which mm-hmm. um, I read all three chapters of, um, and I I really like it. I'm okay. not. I'm. I'm <laughs> I mean, on, like, I'm not really. I'm not really sure what else to say about it, except I guess I. Uh, they get like the series gets to the point pretty fast in some respects. Um, but I, I think overall, I, I I think what I like most about it is I like I kind of like the aesthetic and the setting of the series. It's very um, I don't know what you would want to call it. It's, steampunk. It, it's very very steampunk. Very very western. I feel like at times I'm 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 reading like Full Metal Alchemist, and I, I mean that in the sense of its aesthetic. I don't think it's necessarily as good as Full Metal Alchemist. It just it's got the same. It's interesting you make the comparison, though. I mean, I remember someone on the Shonen Jump podcast made that same comparison. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like it, it, there's some parts of the manga that are sort of drawn like how Full Metal Alchemist would be drawn, like especially when it comes to like some of the lightning effects and everything. Um. I don't know, Sid. You you sound you sound a little less enthused. Um, do you have any thoughts on Red Sprite? It's pretty solid. It has a good, you know, steampunk vibe that sets it out from other series and jump uh, right now. Uh, it has you know a pretty like likable main character who's pretty you know your standard shonen hero, but there he has a lot of charisma. Yes. He's very likable. He's also very admirable in how he gets stuff done and like how, you know, confident he is. Like he feels like a character you yourself would want to follow on his journey. Like the characters he saves are following him as the captain on, you know, their ship. So, I mean, I think, you know, it has a lot going for it in terms of its, you know, premise and its setting and its main character. It didn't really grab me necessarily, though. The same thing, Promise Neverland did. I mean, I enjoyed reading the first few chapters, but, like, I wasn't like, oh, my God, what is going to happen next? Like, with Promise Neverland. I think No, that- no, no, I, I agree. But um, it's it's kind of funny because both Promise Neverland and Red Sprite... 
have some very similar aspects going for it in the sense of they they're they're both about these group of orphanage children. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, like shared similarity they have. Except Red Sprite, I feel like is a lot more shonen compared to um, compared to the Promised Neverland. I mean, they're both shonen in a way, but one is more directly kind of uh, battle shonen, and like where's that on sea? For the other one is shonen, but it's under kind of uh, a layer of other another style. It's not. It's less direct about you know the it's shonen qualities. Like you don't have like the characters necessarily like like shouting on top of the hills to their enemies or anything like that. Um, but it, I mean, it's it's still shown in the same way Death Note is shown in. Like there's still that kind of you know competitive like uh, mentality. Like there's still like the efforts of friendship, effort, victory, and all that. It's just uh, Red Sprite is more like traditional. As, as a series, and then uh, Promise Neverland is a little more untraditional in the way it presents itself in its writing. Yeah, uh, they're uh, narratively and execution-wise, they're they're both kind of different, but, you know, they're still both shown in manga. Yes. Um, but, but I think, yeah, definitely out of the three, I'm glad the Promise Neverland got picked up. Um... I kind of, I kind of wish Red Sprite would get picked up too, because I, I, like, I, I agree with you in that Red Sprite has has a lot going for it, and I think it could potentially be a great adventure shown in manga. But I, I do agree that I, I definitely look forward a lot more to the Promised Neverland and where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. I would like to see Red Sprite, you know, if it proves successful, join the lineup because I mean they. St- They'll need to fill in one more slot uh, for their regular series. Mm-hmm. And I think Red Sprite did, you know, have a fair positive reception over here. So I think it would be a good choice to be added. I'm, I am concerned about Promise Neverland and Red Sprite because, you know, like Jump is pretty packed. I don't know how they're going to fare. But then again, I think that in recent Jump table of contents, like, uh, Sam in the Summer straightened up uh, and Kimetsu no Yaiba have been kind of ranking lower recently, so I don't know. It, it feels... I don't want to straighten up and Kimetsu no Yaiba to end either, but it's weird. I, it's just that, you know, something that... I, something's going to have to... Like, if these series prove successful, you know, something's going to have to, you know, end to make place for them or like for the some series to continue these series are going to have to you know end so for sure i definitely want to see it's just hard right now i don't know like how the table of contents in jump is just so old for the race now it's just hard for me to predict like how long these series are gonna last Mm -hmm. well only time will tell I hope for the best, though. I hope so too. But yeah, I, I think overall this this was this was actually not that bad of a round of jump starts, all things considered. It is probably the strongest round we've had in a good while. Honestly, it might be the strongest round since last February or and March, like from last year, the round that debuted 
Kagami Gami, Black Clover, Ultra Battle Satellite, and Cyborg Rogi. Probably in terms of a set of series, this is probably the strongest set since those four mm-hmm. came out. I, I, I do agree. Um, but I, I guess with, uh, with that out of the way, um, we should probably get into the New York Times bestselling list. Uh, we're going to... Yes. We're going to talk about both lists here. Uh, the one from uh, August 28th through September 3rd, and then the one from uh, uh, September 4th through the 10th. Uh, I'm going to be covering uh, August 28th through the through September 3rd, obviously, first. Um, so, number one on the list, right off the bat, this this one kind of surprised me, because um, I don't... I Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think this series in particular has ranked number one on the list before. I could be wrong about this. No, I think it has. I think the first volume, in fact, ranked number one. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you look at this, these lists a lot more than I do. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Monster Musume, Volume 9, uh, ranked number one on the list for that week, uh, with, with it being its first week on the list. Mm-hmm. So, so, that one, that one surprised me. Um, and then we have, uh, Tokyo Ghoul Volume 1, which ranked, uh, number two on the list, and also ranked number two on the previous list, making it its, uh, 61st week on the list. Yeah. No surprise there, Tokyo Ghoul's never going to, uh, never going away. It's the most represented on this list. No kidding. Speaking of which, uh, Volume 2 of Tokyo Ghoul ranked number 3 on the list, uh, with its previous rank being number 5 on the list, making it its 37th week on the list. Um, number 4 surprised me too, because I had never heard of this series before. Me neither. But, but apparently from Yen Press, we have Volume 4 of a series called Dragons Rioting, ranking number 4 on the list, and uh, this being its first week on the list. Um... I've never seen the series on the list before, too, so this is very interesting. I didn't even know the series existed. Like, no, this ca- is my first time hearing about it. I kind of, I kind of want to go see what the series is about, just because it's on the list. It's just that's just that's interesting to me. Um, and then at uh, number five, we have uh, One Punch Man Volume One, ranking number five with uh with its previous rank being number three on the list, making it its fifty second week on the list. So One Punch Man Volume One, non consecutively, has been on the list for a whole year. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's 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 great. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. again, non consecutively, but that's that's still a pretty big feat. Definitely. Uh, and then at number six, we have Tokyo Ghoul Volume 8, ranking at number six, uh, with its previous rank being number one on the list, making it its third week on the list. Um, again, another surprise. Um, we have Volume 3 of Dimension W, ranking at number seven on the list, with its uh, with this being its first week on the list. I thought Dimension W was really unpopular. Yeah, I mean, see, I don't know. I, I, I remember when the anime was airing, and... I saw I saw some people liked it, but I, I know I know it wasn't like I basically like I there was a lot of interest for it, I think, at first, but then I think it quickly died down. Yeah, I mean, in my circles, it was pretty, you know, universally seen as a very meh show. Like all the reactions to it that I saw were like, meh, this was pretty uninteresting. Why did Tanan pick this up? That was kind of a waste. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, maybe the manga is better than the anime. Who knows? Like, it seemed to me that the anime was made by a staff that wasn't really passionate about the material they were working with. So maybe the manga is 
better constructed. I Hey, you never know. Maybe I'll check this out one day. I mean, I definitely was pretty interested at first, but again, like most people, uh, my interest faded pretty quickly. Um, just because I, th- I, I think I was just, I was watching so much, uh, during the spring season when this premiered that I just, I didn't, I just never really got around to it. I saw a few scattered episodes on Tanami, but I saw, you know, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it also wasn't terribly interesting to me. Um, but anyway, uh, at number eight, we have, uh, Attack, Attack on Titan volume 19, uh, with its previous rank on the list being, uh, seven, making it its fifth week on the list. We also have, uh, at number nine, Haikyuu Volume 1 coming back to the list, um, making it, uh, it's, uh, not consecutively speaking, making it its, uh, sixth week on the list. Glad to see Haikyuu came back. Ho- hope it stays on the list for at least a couple more weeks. Um, and then last but not least, we have, uh, My Hero Academia Volume 5 ranking at number 10 with its previous rank being number four. Uh, making it its fifth week on the list. I'm, I'm also glad to still see this on the list. My Hero Academia definitely has, uh, I think, I think it's safe to say it definitely has a strong popularity over here right now. This volume in particular really has blown up. I definitely think for good reason too, because the content in this volume, the end of the sports festival, is a real huge, major, like, epic point in the series that, uh, kind of, is like the point that it showed a lot of people this series is truly something special and truly something great. And I think that's why this volume in particular has been really doing really well and has been really attracting attention because, you know, the story of Todoroki and then the climax of that sports pistol arc is just so well done and so powerfully done that it really makes an impact and really takes the series up to the next level. And I'm glad to see that its popularity in the U.S., you know, has spiked with the release of this volume and, you know, with the content in these chapters. See, it's funny. I actually um, I actually wasn't a big fan of the sports festival when, um, when I was reading that weekly. But I feel like maybe if I marathoned it, I'd probably like it more. But I do agree that... Um, I think Todoroki and his um, his kind of backstory and uh, how that kind of played a part in the arc, sort of, I thought, to me, I thought that was the highlight of the arc. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, like, I I think, me personally, I, I like the invasion arc before it a little bit more. And I and I think I I think I liked um, I think I liked the little, um, what was it, the stain arc right after. I think I liked that arc. Um that came afterwards a lot more, but again, to I, me the stain arc is it was like is the pinnacle of the series to me so far. Like I love that I definitely agree the stain arc. I absolutely love that arc. To me that that's been the high point of the series. Like when I for my experience, like I just love that arc. Uh, but I do think the sports festival, like the climax of that arc is also just really brilliant mm-hmm. and, it, you know, led into a lot of stuff that got addressed in the same arc, but you're not the only one that I've heard, you know, not be the biggest fan of the sports festival and, you know, consider it, you know, the series weakest arc, but, you know, I, I think that 
The content in Volume 5 in particular, the climax of the sports festival that has, you know, the payoff on, like, Todoroki's build-up as a character and, like, that explosive finish, you know, at the end and then, you know, the fallout from that. I do think that is material that really took the series up to another level. Mm-hmm. I, I can agree with that somewhat. Again, I would like to... I would like to read that arc in in one go at some point because I feel like I'd probably enjoy it more like that. But anyway, that's um that's for that that's it for that list. Um, do you want to maybe take care of the next list for me, Sid? Yes, this is the list for September fourth to the tenth, and ranking at number one is One Punch Man Volume Eight. First week on the list. Yay! King is on this cover. And it is probably one of my favorite One Punch Man covers with them playing King and Saitama playing video games and Saitama throwing down his handle in frustration while King has this ultra serious look on his face. Love that cover. King is a great character. He gets really fresh out on this volume. Great volume. Uh, then in, well, at number two, we've got Monster Musume number nine down from one from last week on the list now for two weeks. And then you were hoping Haikyuu would stay on the list and it seems to be doing well because Haikyuu volume three is number three on this list and it's debuted week. And so that's a pretty, uh, strong selling, strong showing for, uh, Haikyuu's continued success. At number four, we have Seraph the End, Volume 10, which I believe is a, approaches the climax of that one really big arc before the time skip. I forget its name. I don't know. I don't think I was a big fan of the content in this volume, but um, I'm not that big a fan of Seraph in general, but strong showing. Yu-Yo Zexil, number nine, is at number five. This is the final volume of Zexil, or Zeal, or however it's supposed to be pronounced. And, uh, I could never figure out what was going on in the manga version of this, but uh, that's par for the course for these Yu-Gi-Oh! spin-off manga. I can't figure out what the heck is going on. But um, yeah, final volume of Seal, so I'm sure that Viz is going to be putting out uh, 5Bs volume soon. Then in number 6, we've got Skip Beat volume 37, uh, fresh on the list. Yeah, this was a great volume of Skip Beat. Uh, like, this is where, uh, you know, they started finally ex- kind of ex- exploring, you know, Yoko's relationship with her mother, and I don't think that contains the complete story of that. I think Volume 38 culminates that, but that is just, that was just fantastic payoff, and, like, great character, like, moments for her. Like, this great volume of Skip Beat. Good to see it on the list. At number seven, we've got Nisekoi, Volume 17, first week on the list. I believe this has the school trip stuff. Uh, this was, I believe, the point where I started started keeping up with Nisekoi on a weekly basis to, hmm. like, around the, this point in this volume. Like, no, I, I started keeping up with it around when um, Yui was introduced, I think. Yeah. But I didn't, like, I only, like, intermittently, like, popped in on it. This is when, like, you know, I started reading it Every week because oh wow that's the, that's pretty late in the story isn't it? But yeah, because but I mean I wasn't that interested. I've said it before I really wasn't that interested in Nisukoi for the longest you. time. Like <laughs> I I started reading it every week for around this point because this is the point where you know I started subscribing to Weekly Shonen Jump. So you know I didn't bother skipping it. 
but it turned out for the best because I Nisikori really starts picking up from this point and getting really strong, so I enjoyed my time with it from this point on. At least you didn't read it weekly from chapter two. Yeah, I probably would have quit halfway into the first year, if not earlier. I don't know how I didn't quit. Can I get, like, a medal? I guess. Maybe, like, the key to the city? That'd be nice. Have it made out of chocolate. I just want some uh, chocolate. Overall, I do enjoy <laughs> Nisekoi, though. I do not regret ne- reading Nisekoi. It has some really great high points, especially in that final period of the series. Anyway, uh, then we've got Tokyo Ghoul Volume 1 at number 8, down from 2 from the previous week on the list now for 62 weeks. And right below it, at number 9, is Tokyo Ghoul Volume 8 on the list now for 6 weeks. Uh, uh, no, down from s- number 6 from the previous week and on the list now for 4 weeks. Tokyo Ghoul is the most represented once again on this list, uh, proving that yeah, it's the big dog of the current manga scene. And then finally, we've got One Punch Man Volume 1 at number 10, down to 5 from the previous week, on the list now for 53 weeks, still selling strong. That's the list. There, we, that was that was a good list. A lot of um, a lot of new volumes on that list. I appreciate yes, that. Yes, a lot of variety. Uh, very very interesting list. Um. Anyway, so um, two things ended pretty recently. Um, Sid, what what was the first thing that ended? We're gonna talk about the smaller thing that ended uh, first. It's not really even like a series ending so much as an arc of a series ending, but uh, the Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire arc of Pokemon Avengers recently ended. Uh, Viz is now putting out the series in the U.S. um, with the first volume already out. You can go pick it out at your local bookstore. And I finished the series, I mean, this arc of Pokemon Adventures, and it's a very good arc. Uh, Some things I was a little unsatisfied with, like, I think that the final battle with the Oxus could have been a little longer, considering, you know, the build-up that's pretty much been going on for ten years, ever since the Fire Red and Leaf Green arc, you know, for the return of the Oxus. But it was still a really satisfying arc, great to see... Like, all the, a bunch of characters again and all teaming up together. Like, with some great moments and great payoffs to, like, long-term character arts and, like, plot threads. Um, and I I absolutely love Chapter 19 of Pokemon Adventures. Uh, that's a chapter where Xenia confronts Equaza. And it's just... <laughs> I can't... I can't stop... Whenever I think about that chapter, I just burst out in laughter because of that one scene. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil what happens in that chapter. But seriously, that chapter is pretty freaking amazing. What hap- What Crazy does to Zinnia, you know, it's just it's just hilarious. Like it's probably one of my favorite moments in manga this year. Probably one of my favorite chapters just on that moment alone of manga this year. Like I, I think at the end of the year. I'll probably talk about our favorite, some of our favorite moments or chapters in manga and stuff, like in like a ref- reflection thing at the end of the year. I might mention okay. it more then, but like, because I, I don't want to spoil this moment now for people who haven't read the series, especially since Wiz is already putting it out. But like, seriously, it's it made my day when I read that. <laughs> but yeah, so that arc is uh, the the Ruby is Alpha, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire arc is over. I'm sure the X Y arc 
won't be too far behind, and then the Sun and Moon arc should start up pretty soon, so I'm looking forward to both of those things. Well, there you go. I feel like I should get on reading some of this Pokemon manga at some point. Yes, you should. Like, if you are a Pokemon fan, this manga is definite, you know, a must-read, because it is, like, the most satisfying and best-written, like, Pokemon story there is across all the mediums. Yeah, I, I hear very good things about it. Um, I think I think my sister actually owns, like, the first arc of the manga. I should probably borrow those from her at some point. But uh, along with that, a very significant giant in the manga industry, um, actually, at the time of recording, will be ending tomorrow. But by the time you guys are listening to this, will have already ended. Uh, I think we've talked about the series on the show once or twice before. Um, and I think it is definitely worth mentioning that, uh, at the time of this podcast recording, Kochikame will have ended on September 17th. After 40 years of serialization. Without a break. Without any breaks, like continuously in jump. It's been a staple of the magazine for four decades, for four generations of jump readers, like... People have expected for 40 years to pick up a Shonen Jump magazine and read Kochikame. It is something that has become synonymous with Jump. It's something expected in Jump. So this series ending is a huge deal. Huge deal. I think the only other thing that's going to be probably just as big a deal, if not maybe an even bigger deal, will probably be when One Piece ends. Probably considering that One Piece is the most popular and highest selling manga of all time. So, or yeah. maybe, or maybe JoJo, even though that doesn't really run in Weekly Shonen Jump anymore. But eventually, that has to end too. Yeah, I think One Piece is going to be a bigger deal in terms of like the impact. JoJo's is still going to be a big deal, but One Piece will probably be the bigger deal between the two. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so it, just in case you know the listeners at home don't know what Kochikame is, it's essentially. Uh, like we were saying, uh, a gag manga that ran in Weekly Shonen Jump from, uh, from 1976 to 2016, the year we're recording this podcast. Um, and from, from what I gather from just seeing bits and pieces of it around and it being referenced in like other anime and manga, it's essentially about a policeman named, uh, Ryotsu who, I think pretty much like the crux of a lot of the stories in Kochikame are pretty much just Ryotsu being greedy and wanting to make money fast and just coming up with these like get rich quick schemes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the manga likes to do a lot of like, um, it, it, it likes to parody a lot of like current events and whatnot, maybe delving into maybe a little bit of satire here and there, uh, from what I've seen. So it's, it's, it's always usually very current, uh, that much I know for sure. Um, I think it's like akin to The Simpsons, a manga, in many respects. Pretty much the equivalent. Um, but no, uh, Kochikami is ending, uh, ending on September 17th. It's, it's last chapter in Jump and volume 200 of the manga being simultaneously published in release. So that's a, pr- that's a pretty big deal. Um, it's, it's gonna be weird seeing, uh, I'm sure for many subscribers to Shonen Jump, seeing Jump without Kochikami in it now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a part of that magazine for four decades. Like, it's something that people just expected to be there and just expected always to be there. It's gone now. Um, but but don't worry if uh, you know if you're out there listening and 
in you read Kochikame, Osama Akimoto is uh, is not going anywhere anytime soon because apparently he's already going to be doing a bunch of other work. Yeah, he's going to be publishing four new manga in 2017. Now, these are not necessarily going to be full serializations. They've been referenced as short stories. But this man has serious vitality to be raring to go and start new works after all this time. In fact, I think the reason he ended Kochikami is because he wanted to write something new. Like, seriously, I, I have to applaud Akimoto-sensei. Well, I mean, uh, I, I can't blame him. When, when you when you write and draw the same thing for 40 years, I'd probably get tired of it, too. <laughs> yeah, but it seemed like he enjoyed writing it for those 40 years. Oh, no, of course, of course. But I'm sure... From the comments that I've read about the ending of Kochikame, like, it seems that the series really, like, had a very popular final arc. And, like, it really, like, it was, like, very well received and popular with readers. I think that's why Kochikami has been ranking much higher than usual in recent uh, jump table of contents in recent months. It's it's kind of surprising to me that Kochikame actually had like an arc because from from what I had heard about Kochikame, it never usually did like actual full story arcs. Well, maybe it wasn't an arc, but clearly like the series was at the top of its game towards the end of its run from basically the reactions that I saw. God, I, I really I really hope at just just a little off topic for a second. I really hope that at some point um maybe uh, Viz picks up Kochikame for some kind of best of collection because yeah. I, I really would like to read some of Kochikame at some point in English. Most definitely. Um but anyway, back back to what we were talking about. So Akimoto sensei is uh is going to be doing uh, doing a few other works. Um, in he, he's basically doing like a short work in like four different magazines. He's he's uh, he's going to be doing something in uh, in Weekly Young Jump, Monthly Shonen Jump, or I'm sorry, Jump Squared is what it's called now. Um, uh, something in Grand Jump, and then something in Ultra Jump. Um, uh, the first one being uh, Kyoto Jogakuin uh, Monogatari Finder. Uh, that's the one running in Weekly Young Jump, and uh, will center on the lives of students at a girls' academy on the outskirts of Kyoto. So that sounds like it'll be cute. And then apparently, um, the one running in uh, Jump Square is going to be a revival of a um, of another comedy manga he did um, did a little while back and edited in uh, 2007, which is called uh, Mr. Kleiss, which apparently is apparently about like this really um, this really awesome spy named Jim Kleiss who somehow got his brain transplanted in the body of a woman. So that sounds like it could be funny. And then uh, the short story running in uh, Black Tiger or the it's called Black Tiger. My bad. Uh, we'll be running in Grand Jump and we'll be set in the wasteland where survival is struggle. It looks like it's going to be more of like a gunslinging kind of action story, which that sounds kind yeah, of Yeah, kind of a Western story. Western, post-apocalyptic Western story. Sounds interesting. I, I, I kind of like the idea of a like an actual like cowboy spaghetti Western kind of manga drawn by Akimoto. I think his art style is very suited for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing running in uh, Ultra Jump will be called Iyudane. Uh, which apparently is going to be a sequel to Kochikame and is going to take place in the bathhouse uh, that's located near the police station, basically where Kochikame took place, and will feature a a beautiful foreign woman. 
probably referencing some character in Kochi Hame. That's that's what I thought too, but I I wasn't a hundred percent sure. But I, I think it's safe to assume that's probably the case. Um, I, I really want to read Akimoto Sensei's works. I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. But uh, the last bit of Kochikame news we have here is, uh, you know, Kochikame being 200 volumes long, apparently earned a Guinness World Record for most volumes published for a single manga series. Yeah, I mean, it is the longest manga ever in terms of volume count. Pretty much. In terms of years running, I think that record goes to Dokoben or Gogo Tokin. But yeah, in terms of volume count, Coach Kame is currently the longest running at 200 volumes. It's going to be interesting to see if anything surpasses that volume count in the future. I feel like if anything mate, well, I don't know about Gogo 13 because I know, I know at some point it was confirmed that Takao Saito, I think, had, has an ending in mind for Gogo 13. Yeah. When, when he's going to get around to it, I don't think anyone knows just yet. I see him reaching 200 volumes, but I'm not maybe surpassing it, because I think right now it has 193 volumes. So I'd see him going up to volume 200 and ending it there, too. Yeah, I think so. I, I know I know. I, I saw somewhere that uh, he had a goal volume count in mind, but I forget what that was on top of my head. I mean, 200 volumes is a good you know, goal count, I would say. I mean, yeah, that's, of course. Um, I think it was like 180-something or something. I don't remember. It was something around there, I think. Gogo 13 only has 181 volumes right now. Sorry, Dokaben has 193 volumes. What, what, it, what, do you, what is Dokaben? I don't think I've heard of this before. Dokaben is a very long-running baseball manga. Oh, wow, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, how, how... How do you how do you keep something like that running for so long? That's kind of fascinating to me. I'm not sure, but it's been running since 1972. So <sighs> wow, that's 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 amazing. Uh, honestly, I'm I am also interested in reading this series too. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get around to it. But that's that's it for all the Kochikami news, uh, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, I th- I think we can I think we could say that we both wish luck for to Akimoto Sensei in his future works, mm-hmm. and for his ever continuing success. Yes, I mean keeping a serialization going for forty years is a huge accomplishment, and you know it, he, the fact that he seemed to have ended it at the top of his game is also such a rarity, especially since he also ended it on his own terms. Mm-hmm. So that's. A huge accomplishment. It's extremely impressive, and like his work, definitely had a definite impression on uh, generations of readers and artists. And I only wish that I could, you know, I could have had the chance to read Kochikame in a capacity too. It seems something that I would really enjoy. Um, it is been something that I've always wanted to read. But definitely, like, this is just an amazing accomplishment. And it's definitely going to be even stranger to be in a post-Bleach uh, world. It's going to be stranger to be in a post-Kochikame world. Like, I, I think the reason I want to read Kochikame so badly, not just because of its legacy, but I feel like it'd be a great window into the culture of Japan. Definitely. I think the main reason I want to read it, though, is just the premise and the character of Kankichi Ryotsu. Seems like something that's totally up my alley. Oh, like, yeah. I think it'd be a kind of comedy series I'd really enjoy. And then the social satire and social commentary it has is just would be icing on the cake because I also love that kind of comedy. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, this, 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 
honestly, this is something I, w- I probably would be up my alley too. But anyway, so I think that's about it for all the Kochikami news. Um, Sid, there's a bit of a, I think, I think you and uh, your brother talked about a poll last, uh, last episode, which by the way, that, that poll is BS. Odoraka did nothing wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just also, also in Kagura and number five, I was, that that kind That's of That's when you knew that list was definitely trolling. Yeah, that that list means nothing in the grand scheme of the universe at all. So <laughs> that was a weird way to word it, but whatever. Uh so Sid, we're gonna be talking about another poll, and uh I'd like you to lead the discussion on that for a little bit if you could. Yeah, so to take into this, I've actually been uh reading Ceres, a manga by Yu Watase recently. That's a shoujo manga about it kind of that kind of is explores the the legend of the Tenyo, or uh, put it another way, you might have kind of seen a similar story uh, in Kubo the Two Strings of like a a goddess who comes down to Earth and then her robes are taken by um a man, and so she's forced to marry that man because she cannot return to the heavens without her celestial robes. And so that's a very interesting series, and I'm very interested, and I've been enjoying reading it, and I honestly enjoy reading quite a few shoujo manga. Like, I think that there is a stereotype that, you know, shoujo manga are all these, like, romance, are all these, like, very genteel romance series, but there's a lot of variety in the genre as they're shown in. Like, there's a lot of science fiction stories, like, badass like war stories like one of my favorite anime of all time is rose of Versailles, which is a historical fiction piece about this female general in uh in like revolutionary uh france uh you know the precipice of the french revolution and that's an amazing series so there's plenty of amazing shoujo series that i think people honestly especially may uh you know quote-unquote macho men who think shoujo is too girly honestly are really missing out by not trying and so interestingly uh poll came out recently in japan as a survey by the book live service who asked uh, a total of 560 men about what shoujo manga that they recommend to other men and so the top 10 results were polled, and I thought I would just go through those here. At number one, we have Chiha Furu, uh, by Yuki Sugetsu. Chiha Furu is the, uh, I believe it is a shogi manga? Let me see. I, I forget what Chiha Furu I'm pretty, I'm, pr- I, I was under the impression it was a manga about, uh, the, I, the card game Hanafuta? Yeah, Hanafuta? no, that, that's what it's about. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not Hanafuna, it's about Karuta. Yeah, Karuta. It's 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 some card game involving Japanese poetry. It is a it is a card game based thing. But yeah, it's uh that's a series that has been on my uh you know backlog for a long time. Actually a lot of series on this list have been on my backlog for a long time. Chihayafuru being at number one on this list is is pretty appropriate seeing as how I think Sentai Filmworks just picked up the anime for that pretty recently. Yes, and that has been something people have been asking for for years, so I'm glad to see that uh, happen for that series. And, you know, it's about time I check out that series, so hopefully I do so at some point. I actually don't think the manga's available over here, though, unfortunately. At least the last time I checked, it wasn't. Yeah, but there are other ways, I guess. No, I know. I'm just saying, because I think the last time I checked, 
I believe there are gaps in the manga that haven't been like translated, and I don't think it's translated very frequently the last time I checked. So I would, I'd really like for this to get picked up at some point because I would like to read it. Shoujo manga and Jose manga too are seeing a resurgence recently, so I definitely would think that Jafu is one of the most requested titles, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it picked up in the near future. At number two, we have My Love Story. There you go. By, yeah, we talked about this earlier in the episode. We both uh, really love My Love Story. Yes. And it is an excellent series. Uh, we really went into our thoughts on that. Yes. It's great series. And it's not the only work by Kazuna Kawahara on this list, but we will get down to that. At number three, we have Kimi Ni Chidoke from Miki Yu, another series that I have been meaning to read for a long time, but also another series I've heard, you know, explores uh, the relationship between the main two leads very well. At number four, we have Honey and Clover, which I thought was Jose, but never, either way, uh, another, uh, I think, good romance series, I believe. I think this one is actually also about uh, adult relationship, too, so mm-hmm. I think that is definitely uh one that I've heard many good things about. And I wish I have re- I've actually read more series. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I personally haven't really read a lot of shoujo stuff either. But I think I think that's just because, I, I don't know, I just, like with most things, I just, I never get around to a lot of stuff. I always take my sweet time personally. But like, I, I do, I do want to read all of these on this list because I've heard good things about a lot of these series. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just that I, it's just when I get around to things, it's just a matter of chance. Pretty like, much. I've been very actually happy that Viz has been doing like these uh, bundles for, not bundles, they don't do those anymore, unfortunately, but they've been having sales on some shoujo titles recently. So, and that's when I picked up Saris and I also picked up um, From Far Away, which they had on sale this week. And uh, you know, if they have something on sale next week that looks interesting, I might check that out too. Like, I've, I've been interested in, you know, expanding my repertoire and reading some more shoujo work recently. So it's definitely nice that they've been doing those sales recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wrong about Honey and Clover being about adults, though. It's about art students. But that just makes me more interested in reading it. Anyway, at number five, we have Fruits Basket. Now, that is something that I have at least seen the anime for. And yes, that is also a very good series, uh, very popular, renowned, and also going to, to some sort of resurgence at the moment in terms of, you know, the Amibai are being released over here. Uh, there's a sequel series running in Japan right now. Fruits Basket, you know, is one of those series that I think is being boosted by 90s nostalgia. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, even a new anime adaptation of that series. At some oh, point. yeah, it's, totally. It's very popular, both in the West and in Japan. And number six, we have a series that shows shoujo manga are more than just romances, Banana Fish, which is about, as a science fiction story, uh, about, you know, psychics, I think. Like, I know Banana Fish is super good. Like, I've actually, I, I didn't, I haven't read too much about, too much of it, but, like, it is a very, you know, interesting series, uh, it's and it's definitely and it's not like your normal type of romance series. It's like a crime kind of series. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen this around. 
There's also an older title on this list, which is pretty interesting, but this is one of those series definitely that I think would appeal to a lot of male readers because it is very different from what you would perceive a shoujo series to be because it's not a Roman series in any capacity. It's also about male leads, so it shows kind of like the shoujo is not, it's not synonymous with romance series or they also like showmen, you know, delves into different types of genres and is capable of having male leads too. And then uh, we have a number seven, Pata Liro, which, okay, I've never even heard of this series before. Me, me neither, honestly. Oh, but looking it up, it seems like something I might like because it is seems to be a wacky little comedy series from the from uh, this that ran from the seventies to nineties. There you go. And uh, very long. Actually, it's still running. It's like ninety six volumes wrong. D- what? And wow, that's a long time. This seems like so. It seems like it's a fun little series, but I guess because it's a gag manga that's so old, it might not really get licensed over here. Probably but not. Yeah, this seems like something that's kind of the goofy, like silly kind of comedy thing that I would quite enjoy. And number eight, we have Natsumi's Book of Friends. This is a very... If you've seen Mushishi, it's a series kind of akin to that and how it kind of explores like a relationship between man and nature. And it's also, you know, a very nice read. It's, it's not... I don't think it's as solemn as Mushishi could get in terms of like it's... uh moral moral stories but you know it's it's a very good series that i've heard a lot of praise of it's something i need to delve into more in the future at uh number nine we have no dame cantabile this is a series that uh i believe that kajancha licensed rescued from del rey and is releasing digitally and will finally finish publishing digitally which is something that i know a lot of people are very happy about. Oh, yes. Uh, this is a music manga about a piano player, I believe, and all sorts of you know other things about uh, a journey of this character who, you know, and, is, and who eventually like becomes a conductor, I think. Uh, another series that I really need to delve into more, but also, and another very acclaimed series. And then rounding it all off, we have at number 10, Aoizora Yell, another manga by Kazuni Kawahara of My Love Story fame. This is also a series that I've heard great things about, and I'm definitely a big fan of uh, you know My Love Story, so I'm definitely interested in seeing more of Kawahara's series. And this was a series that she you know ran very recently, like it ran from 2008 to 2015, uh, so, you know, it ran still, she was working on this and my love story at the same time for, you know, oh. the last couple of years of its run. It seems like a very good story. It's, uh, it's a baseball. It's, no, it's not, it's a, it's a music mug. It's about trumpet player. Ah, okay. Uh, but, the but her love interest is a catcher on the baseball team. So it's kind of a dual music and sports manga. So it tackles two different genres at once there, which is very interesting. And definitely, you know, after reading my love story, I'm definitely interested in reading more of Kawahara's works. And I think Adams Royale, it would be right up my alley. And I hope that, uh, you know, this would pick it up one of these days. And so I think my love story does well for that. And they, and they published High School Debut, which is also by that same 
mangaka. So yeah, somebody on Twitter told me about that just recently, and I was kind of surprised because I had seen High School Debut around for years, and I was I was surprised to learn that it was it was by that same person. Same, yeah. That's a series. I think I saw that of the, an omnibus volume of that half off a long time ago, but I never I, and I regret not picking it up. If I know it was by Kawahara, who uh, you know, and it was by the same person who did my love story. I think I would have, but oh well. See, it's, uh, it's, it's just seen... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I, I was I was gonna say, as someone who hasn't really read a lot of shoujo manga, I feel like I feel like reading my love story and taking a look at and hearing about all the other uh, works in the catalog of Kazune Kawahara. I feel like I feel like Kawahara for people who don't read shoujo manga. I, I feel like uh, speaking personally, that maybe her catalog of manga might be a good a gateway into shoujo. Definitely. Like, if you like a one series, I definitely think that you should go and look into what that um, author has done previously, because that could be a great get- way to get into other great series. But, um, yeah, so I uh, there's a lot of great shoujo manga out there that I think it's worth checking out. And I think that this top 10 list is a good starting point if you're interested in doing that. So it's a good starter pack of shoujo manga, it seems. Um, so that was the, uh, top 10 list of shoujo manga that men recommend to each other. I think that's a pretty solid list. As a male myself, I would definitely read all these. (laughs) I mean, most of these have been on my backlog for a long time now. I definitely plan on reading more shoujo manga at, at some point in my life. I say at some point because my backlog is huge and it's always growing and I hate it. Um, Well, I am currently reading Ceres and then I've got From Far Away after I finish that, so I have at least two shoujo manga that I'll be going through in the near future. I'm probably gonna start reading more of um, Kawahara's works, uh, mostly because I just, I love my love story so much. I, I, got, I, I gotta see her other works. Mm-hmm. But I think that's about it for the news. We're gonna end off the show with an email from Allison. Yes, this is uh, a couple of weeks overdue, like you said, this about a month ago, I think. Yeah. But, uh, we didn't answer it last time because, you know, Colton was out. But now we get to answer it, so uh, yes. glad, uh, glad we're going to be able to do that. Yes. Um, Allison pretty much asked, some, asked a lot of questions in here that I feel like I had enough answers to, and hopefully we can help her out here. Um, I read this ahead of time, but we'll, uh, I'll, I'll read it for the audience at home. Because that would be really boring if I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Um, so uh, she writes, Hello, Manga Mavericks. It's Meowth900 here. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the first-hand manga versus second-hand manga discussion topic from the last episode, which uh, that was a big discussion we had about uh, uh, Hiroya Oku, the author of Gantz, ranting on Twitter about the second-hand manga market in Japan and wh- whether it's right to buy your second-hand uh, manga. Because if you buy second-hand manga, you- you're not technically supporting the creators of your favorite series. And Listen to episode 15 for the full debate. P- pretty much, yeah. And uh, she continues, First off, I do want to support certain manga companies and manga creators, but sometimes it can get expensive. Boy, howdy. Um, I don't have any libraries that have a huge... Uh, they have a large catalog of manga, in parentheses, the most manga libraries near me, 
have is vo- Death Note volumes, Full Metal Alchemist volumes, and maybe a few volumes of Yu-Gi-Oh, Naruto, and One Piece. Wow, it is pretty sad. I'm, I guess I'm lucky that my library system ha- does have a good selection. Oh, I, I can I can relate to this too. My library sucks. Like, I went to my local library like a week or two ago, and like, they maybe had like, like the problem with my library. I know this is, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but my my library has like incomplete collections of like Naruto, Bleach, and Yu Gi Oh. For some reason, it has a pretty complete collection of Toriko, though. I don't know why. Out of all those series, like they just they have they're up to date with Toriko. There's no problems with Toriko. They have all the Toriko. I don't. Maybe Toriko is very you know frequently checked out there. Maybe it's popular with readers in your area. I guess I don't know, um, but yeah, my, my the the manga selection in my library isn't very good either. And uh, basically, yeah, she says she doesn't have a library with a large catalog of manga or or you know stores like Barnes and Noble nearby. Uh, she also continues, I don't have a credit card or PayPal, so I I can't use right stuff for my manga needs neither. Fortunately, Amazon and iTunes have gift cards in stores, so I can make credit in those things and buy manga from there. So I guess this is where I want to mention, um, Allison, I know where you're coming from. I, uh, I don't have a credit card myself. Uh, so sometimes it can get a little tedious, you know, uh, buying a lot of my manga online. Um, and I, I too frequently do use Amazon gift cards and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if you, if you have a Walgreens or a CVS in your area or even just a normal grocery store, I would highly suggest, uh, looking into if you want to, be able to buy more manga online, especially if you want to buy through like right stuff specifically, you should really look into maybe start buying some uh, Visa gift cards. You know, those kind of like one vanilla Visa gift cards. Um, what kind of sucks about those is that every like pretty much every time you buy one, it like there's like a $4.95 like startup fee to buy one of those cards, but that's the only fee you have to pay before you buy those cards. And the problem is with those two is they're not really reloadable. So whatever amount of money you put on those cards, if you run out, you have to buy another card. But, you know, if, if you want to buy stuff from Right Stuff specifically, I would really suggest uh, maybe look into buying those cards every once in a while. If you, uh, you know, if you want to buy stuff from Right, right Stuff specifically badly enough, you should really look into those. I, I used to use those a lot. But nowadays, I just buy a lot of my stuff through uh, through Amazon, so I just buy Amazon gift cards. Um, so that's my suggestion for that. Um, as she continues, I ran out of room digitally on my iOS device, so I have to use Amazon more these days. I buy some manga digitally and some physically, but when I'm in college, I do prefer physical books. Why, you ask? Because I don't have to worry about anything being stolen if I go physical, uh, which... I did ask her about this actually because I thought it was weirdly worded. Um, she, when she says that, she means that, um, you know, if she, if she buys things digitally, you know, like her iOS device could get stolen and, you know, that would be a big whole pullabaloo, you know, whereas, you know, if you get your physical books stolen, you know, that kind of sucks, but you could, you could easily replace those. But if you buy books digitally, you know, you have like the right to those books, like it's not just dependent. <sighs> on the device that you download them in. This is true. 
you still have access to them, like online, and you can, you know, have access to them on another device if you need to replace, like, your old device. So really, you don't have to worry about, uh, your digital books getting stolen at all. Like, they'll never get stolen, actually. They're, like, like, uh, if you have a physical book, like, if someone takes that, then, uh, you can't get that book can't mm-hmm. access that book anymore but you can with a digital book because you have like the um access to it online like you'll ha- like it'll be available on some site that you bought it on or like in your iTunes or whatever and you can just re-download it so it's not really a problem uh, this is for Allison, but this also goes for all of our listeners as well, in case you don't know. Um, something I've been doing pretty recently is um, I have a Comixology account, which um, Comixology has, if not all of, like, say, Viz's digital manga library, it has a very good chunk of it. And even then, like, uh, Amazon and Comixology uh, have actually kind of merged together. Like, I, I think... I think like either Comixology is owned by Amazon or they're or they basically just merged. I don't know which it is. I think Comixology is owned by Amazon. That's what I I, I think so. Um, but but either way, you know they they both work together now in a way where if you merge your Amazon and Comixology accounts, whatever you buy on say say I buy a volume of uh, Case Closed or something on Amazon digitally. That you normally I would only be able to read on a Kindle, but if you have both your Amazon and Comixology accounts merged together, whatever you buy for the Kindle on Amazon, you'll be able to read on Comixology. So, so that's a cool thing. And Allison mentioned that she ran out of room digitally on her iOS device. Um, I would say buy more on Comixology and maybe just maybe stick to Comixology and and the Viz app because. I know on the Viz app, if you download enough, um, if you download enough titles on the Viz app, yeah, those will take room if you don't delete them. But even if you delete them, you could just re-download them again when you want to, you know, read whatever you want to read on the Viz app. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, uh, I don't think you have that problem on the Comixology app. So maybe get a Comixology account and just. Uh, I would say maybe start buying your books digitally through there so you don't have to worry about space. That That's my advice to not just Allison, but everybody listening to the podcast who may have the same problem. Um, anyway, she continues. This is a long email. The only bad thing is sh- shipping for items is like $5 an item, so it really nullifies cheap purchases for me. An example of this is, say, I see a manga for sale for $2. I can buy it, and the extra $5 shipping makes it $7. I don't feel much of a bargain with it, so I usually get I usually try to get free shipping on my items. On Amazon, it used to be $35, but now it went back to $25, so it's a little easier to get free shipping now. I buy firsthand because it's a little cheaper for me, economically speaking. Uh, I'd like to support manga creators, but I usually base it on popularity standards. Like if something's like Naruto Big, I don't feel the need to support it. Now, if it was something like, say, Yoamushi Pedal, I feel like I need to support that a lot. Also, I do like to buy a lot of Yen Press manga and light novels because they make some really good releases and carry a lot more of my favorite series, such as Black Butler and Bakuno. So that's something else, too, is that I don't really know what shipping is like in Allison's area. But when I usually when I buy my secondhand manga on, um, let's see, I think the thing is like, like, 
whenever I buy secondhand manga on Amazon, usually shipping isn't any more than like $3.99. But that's probably also because I'm ordering secondhand manga from other states. I don't know if I don't know if maybe the shipping increases if you're ordering from like a different country or not. But I'd say as long as you buy your secondhand manga within the US, it's it's always going to stay $3.99. Or at least that's the case with me. So I don't know, like with, with this kind of thing, like I usually compare and contrast if I'm buying on Amazon, I see how much it would cost for me to order all my books new compared to if I ordered them all secondhand, because you could buy certain manga, uh, used manga volumes on Amazon for like a penny. But then, you know, after you add like that $3.99 shipping, that's still like $4. So essentially... You're not going to be able to buy anything secondhand, any manga volume on Amazon for anything lower than $4, which I still think is a good deal. So, I don't know. Like, I would say everybody out there listening, you know, do your best to kind of compare and contrast, um, you know, compare different uh, online retailers. See what the best deal you can get is if you're sort of on a budget or you just don't feel like spending a, a ton of money. Again, it's 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 all it's all up to you, listeners. You know, do what you want. Like we said on uh, you know, two episodes ago. You know, if we, if you really like a series and you really like, like you really want to actively support the creator, you should buy your stuff at list price. You know, compared to like if you're if you're just trying to look for something you want to read, and you just find something on Amazon, but you think oh, I could get this like two bucks cheaper, then you know, there's there's no there's no issue with buying it secondhand personally i do it a lot so you know at the end of the day it's your choice it's your money you could do what you want with it uh but anyway on to the second paragraph of allison's email um it's okay allison we like long emails they give us more to talk about um now on to the manga i've been reading i've read the first two in one volumes of kuroko's basketball the last of the the rarity kenshin viz bigs the first two volumes of Haiku, the first two volumes of Spice and Wolf, the latest light novels of Durarara and Lock Horizon, and the Collector's Edition Volume 3 of Fruits Basket. The second light novel of Irregular at Magic High School came in the mail recently, so I'm reading that. It's still good despite all the th- all the hate it gets, but at least it will never be as bad as Sword Art Online was. I'm looking into pre-ordering the second Bacchano light novel, the sixth Is It Wrong to Pick Up a Girl in a Dungeon light novel, and the third Omnibus of Yoamushi Petal. I already pre-ordered the Fruits Basket uh, Collector's Edition Volume 4 because it sells out super fast. I read Fruits Basket the manga before, but not all of it, and I also watched all of the anime. I know who Toru, Toru ends up with at the end, but not much else Fruits Basket-wise. I'm going to try to keep up with the Haikyuu and Kuroko's basketball releases, too, because I really don't want Viz to drop either of them. I'm also I going... I think you have to worry about that. Uh, Haikyuu's doing very well, and Kuroko seems... Well, well hasn't been, you know, making uh, the top ten list. I think Kuroko has also been doing pretty well, too. I have something I want to say about that as soon as I'm done reading this real quick. I'm also going to take your manga suggestions into consideration. I'm also thinking of reading Pokemon Adventures because I heard it's pretty good, but I'm not sure where to start. I hope I can have some help with that from Sid since he reads all of it. And uh, we actually already talked about this on Twitter like a couple weeks ago, and uh, Allison has already read like the first um, seven volumes of Pokemon Adventures uh, by this point. Yeah, I so, think I saw that. And she seemed to have, she seems to have enjoyed them a fair bit. So I'm 
glad you enjoyed them, and I uh, hope you keep reading because uh, I mean the series just keeps getting better and better. I think that uh, if you like the first seven volumes, the gold and silver arc will be a step up, and it's like a kind of especially that climax of that arc is like really gonna blow. A blow, it blew me away. I think it'll blow a lot, it blows a lot of people away because <laughs> it's just such an amazing climax. And the Ruby and Sapphire arc, oh my god, this is an amazing arc. Like, just keep reading Pokemon Adventures. Pokemon Adventures is freaking awesome. So yeah. Um, here I I want to add something to the Kuroka's basketball discussion because you know it hasn't um it hasn't made its way onto the New York Times list at all yet. And I feel like Viz hasn't been advertising those as much as they have been for Haikyuu, because Haikyuu has gotten a lot of marketing from Viz. And I think that's part of the reason why it's doing so well. You know, I mean, Haikyuu also has its very loyal fan base as well. But I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure Kuroko's basketball is doing well enough. I don't, it's probably doing well enough to where it's, it's not going to get dropped. And the people who are into Kuroko's basketball are probably all going to buy it, but I don't know. I like. Do you, Sid? Do you think Kuroko's basketball has gotten the short end of the stick here at all? Like, do you think it could be? Do you think maybe it could be doing better? I don't know. What do you think? Well, Wiz has definitely been emphasizing Haikyuu, but there are also other factors to keep in mind for Kuroko's basketball. First, of, of it's you know it's being released in Omnibuy editions. Like, those don't tend to sell quite as well as single volumes, just if you look at the times list, you know, historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, you usually don't see many omnibus editions of stuff make the list, for whatever reason. Because, I, because, you know, they are a little pricier, people don't buy them quite as much. But uh, another factor, and this is probably more important factor, is that Kuroko's basketball, as opposed to IQ, is no longer currently running, nor does it, has a, does it have a currently running anime adaption. Whereas Haikyuu is a series that is currently running, currently very popular with anime manga fan bases and, you know, uh, has more anime like people are looking forward to and getting very excited for. Like the Kuroko basketball fervor, you know, has settled down after the series, you know, ended in both anime and manga form. Whereas Haikyuu is still a series that is, you know, still going and kind of still in the, in the prime of its popularity. So that's also like a factor, I think work taking into consideration. Like Haikyuu is a more recent series, is a series that's like more in the public eye right now. Whereas Kuroko is a little bit kind of behind the times in terms of like uh it's kinda kinda missed the point where it was like really popular in the fandom. And it's still popular and I think it is still like doing well, even though it's not making the list like Haikyuu is um every week. But you know the reason why it's probably not exploding as much as Haikyuu is that people have probably already, you know, finished the story or, like, been exposed to the story, you know, through the anime or having already read the manga online. And, you know, there isn't, yeah, yeah. like, as much as uh, people aren't, like, as excited for it and seeing what happens in the series and, like, going out and participating in the fandom and speculating on the story or, like, being an active member of the community like they are for a currently running series like Haikyuu. Yeah, I I did forget to bring up that yeah, Kuroko at this point is long over. Um yeah, that that is that is a point I guess to consider. And I definitely agree. Yeah, it's 
uh, with it being over both anime and manga though i don't know hey maybe with maybe with uh you know the little pr- little sequel that it got in um i forget what magazine the new game or whatever i know that's getting a movie soon so i don't know maybe 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 we'll see some kind of like tiny resurgence when that comes out. Maybe I don't know. It's a possibility, but like I could see it being pretty unlikely. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you know, the Kuroko, the peak for Kuroko's popularity has already passed at this point. Yeah, Haikyuu is still kind of in the prime. Like people are still like looking forward to new seasons being made. The story of Kuroko is done, and like the people who were most passionate about it have maybe already moved on to Haikyuu. So, you know, there's still passionate fans of Kuroko out there, and there's, there's still a lot of support for it, but Haikyuu is definitely what's getting most people's attention right now because it's newer, it's fresher, and it's, like, current. Yeah, Kuroko is no longer the new hotness. Exactly. Hopefully it's doing well. I, I would, I, I think Kuroko at least has a big enough fan base still to where people are probably, I mean, people are probably buying it. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's like you said the people who most people who've already experienced the story through the anime or through the manga online yeah they're probably not as interested but uh anyway so last part of the email <laughs> um uh Allison continues uh my question for the podcast is if a work whether it's anime or manga is discontinued by the North American licensing company uh and you really want to keep watching it or reading it is it really stealing? This question comes from me as I am trying to watch the rest of Sergeant Frog, which is uh, which is episode seventy nine through three fifty eight. Uh, those are basically Funimation picked up uh, Kiroto Gunzo Sergeant Frog, released it up to episode seventy something, and didn't pick it back up. Um, and I'm past the one hundredth episode mark. Actually, uh, at this point, I think she's like at a hundred. 80 or something something like that yeah um i just get really confused on this topic because i like a series and want to see where it goes but the company discontinues a a lot of manga or anime due to poor sales or even worse they don't even bother picking up something thinking oh well it won't sell because it's a sports manga or comedy manga oh well uh like for example ace of diamonds or hajime no ippo it also really bothers me how with some north american companies uh, how how some North American companies won't bother to keep up with new chapter releases. The only time I see new chapters legally are through Shonen Jump, Crunchyroll, and Yen Press's Black Butler releases. I just want some more clarification on this tricky topic. Sorry if this email is long. Don't worry about it. It gives us more to talk about, and that's good. I don't think it's stealing if the product is not legally available in your country, or you don't have like legal accessibility to the product. Like, if Funimation is not offering you episode 79 to 358 of Sgt. Frog, and it's not available on Crunchyroll or in legal streaming service, so you don't have any legal way to watch that uh, material in, you know, the United States. Now, you could, of course, import the DVDs from Japan, but I don't know if those have the subtitles or not. And, so, and plus, and plus really, the uh, DVDs and Blu-rays in, in Japan are expensive as hell. Yeah, and you'd probably need a different region, you know, DVD player. Yeah. But basically, you know, since Funimation, there's no legal availability for, like, that content, you shouldn't feel bad about having to, you know, stream it online 
Because really, you're not hurting like any North American licensor, or you're not really hurting like any any company really if because they're not offering you a service in the first place. Like they they can't lose money on something they're not selling. Exactly. Like I love Yurisayatsura, but that's not a series that's legally available in the United States anymore, unless I went down and hunted down all the old single disc DVDs, all 50 of them, and spent a thousand dollars to buy them as it would take. Like, I could do that for out-of-print DVDs, but that money is not going to go about back to, like, Anime Go. It's not going to go back to the publisher. They don't have a license to it anymore. And it's not available legally streaming anywhere. No one has the legal license to their property, so I don't feel bad about streaming what is streaming it because, you know, no one is offering it to me. And now that, you know, your Seattle 2 Beautiful Dreamer is, you know, going to be re-released and legally available again, uh, and I'm going to buy that because I love that movie and I want to support that product to see more, you know, your Seattle products, you know, get re-released. And I will now, from now on, just watch Yurisei uh, Astra through that Blu-ray DVD copy that I get, because that is available to me now. So there's you shouldn't feel bad about watching something that isn't legally available on a streaming site that is, you know, not legal. Because, you know, if they're not offering it to you, then, you, you know, you don't have any other choice if you want to watch that show. What I will say though is that you should don't you shouldn't watch it on sites that are profiting off um, your streams of uh, said shows because you don't really want to support piracy like necessarily too you don't really necessarily want to support piracy like uh, and kind of promote like illegal access of anime, you know, even for shows that are legally available and are available on readily accessible, you know, services. But, you know, you should just watching them, uh, watching a manga or reading a manga that doesn't have, you know, content that is available to you, I don't think you should you feel bad about. Yeah, like um, a lot of my favorite manga, unfortunately, like like manga that I love, you know, stuff like Sket Dance, Nero, and... Um, even, I guess, to an extent, Fist of the North Star, you know, I mean, that, that did get picked up a few times, but, you know, it's not sold anywhere anymore. Um, you know, series, all those series, I, I had to read through other means because, you know, those, uh, none of those series are really available here at all. And your favorite series, Kintama, is also a great example of this because yep. you you have bought, you know, Fizz's volumes mm-hmm. of that series. You supported the legal release of that series and you watched the series on Crunchyroll. Yes. But you do read uh, the new chapters, which are not legally available. Yep. Because you love that series, but that content has just not been made available to you by, you know, a North American licensor. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't feel bad about reading that stuff because, you know, they just haven't made that available. Nope. So if, of course, they were to make that available, you would, of course, readily jump and support that, like, without a second thought. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like, like, like how Sid would throw all of his money at a new release of Urusei Yatsura, I would throw all of my money at a, at a continuation of a release for the Gintama manga. 
Exactly. And you could bet you, you you can uh you could bet on the fact that I am if I can help it, I'm I'm not only gonna buy those new Crunchyroll DVDs coming out for Gintama, I'm I'm gonna double dip. I'm gonna buy both DVDs and Blu-rays for those. Exactly. See that's uh you're supporting like a pro you're supporting a product when it's available to you because you want to support like a series that you love. But if someone is not but if a licensor is not, you know, giving you a, that product, then you don't have really any other choice if you want to experience that material. Be a responsible consumer and support the things that you love and you're a big fan of. Support the creators and people who are responsible for making that content available to you. But if there is a series where there is not content available to you, then, you know, you shouldn't feel bad because, like, you aren't stealing money from anyone because that product is not available basically you know if you if you like something like you know gintama in this case the anime you know something that is all available on crunchyroll if you really like you know gintama specifically you know just you know things in general that are readily available and you know uh, on a source that will bring income back to the people who create the stuff go support it you know on the other hand if you if you want to watch some like really obscure OVA from like, I don't know, 1987 or something that is, that hasn't been picked up by discotheque. Um, then, you know, if you really want to watch something like that and it's not readily available, don't feel bad about going and out and looking for it. Cause uh, you, no, nobody's going to lose money over that. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, just, it's like Sid said, just be responsible with your, um, with, with your powers as a consumer. And as for, like, uh, another subject of, like, new chapters of series that, you know, are, like, licensed, but, like, they aren't, they don't have new chapters, you know, simul-published, um, well, I do read, like, the new chapters of series, like, Magi, you know, as they come out, but I also go back and support the series by buying, you know, the volumes. So, again, it's about being a responsible consumer. Supporting the things that you love and not just taking content for free uh, and, you know, reading the unofficial content and only reading the unofficial content. Hell, like I, I, I used to do the same thing for One Piece back uh, back before Viz picked it up for a simultaneous uh, chapter release. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's about it, right? Yeah, I think that we uh, address those address the points I think you wanted us to. Okay, then uh, thank you, Allison, for sending that email again. Don't worry about how long it is because it's it's a uh, it's a good thing for this for this kind of episode where we don't have a ton of news to talk about. Except, I feel like every time we say that, we end up actually talking about it quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about two hours anyway, even despite like how little news we had. So whatever, I'm sure maybe it'll probably. It'll probably be slightly less than that by the time I get done editing, but we're not even we're not even done just just yet. I I, I kind of want to maybe talk a little bit about what we're doing next episode. Oh yes. So um, I I had to look this up, and I'm trying to remember what episode it was. We we talked about this. We were we were asked, I think, on episode five of the show, if we ever thought about maybe doing an episode a spotlighting particular manga creators. And basically, the short answer to that was yes, but when we get around to it. And I think finally, uh, I, like we 
one of us in the in that episode said that I, I think it was my suggestion probably that uh, we that we cover you say Matsui first, which is what we're gonna do next episode. Well, I, we specifically decided to cover Yusei Matsui because in episode 10, I think, the episode where we also, you know, finally read Tokyo Gold, that's when I announced, like, suddenly that uh, breaking news, Yusei Matsui is coming to New York Comic Con, and Colton freaked out because he was so excited. And yeah, that's that's when we decided that. But yeah, that's coming up. Uh um, on October 6th and 7th, there will be Yusei Matsui uh, panels at Comic-Con. Uh, there'll be one on October 6th from thir- 6.30 to 8.30. Uh, forget the venue, but that will be like a very uh, long extended chat with Matsui. And then there will also, he'll also have a panel on Friday, October 7th uh, from, I believe, 5.15 to 6.15. Uh I remember that correctly, but you'll have two chances to see Matsui. Uh, basically, uh, there'll be an event on both Thursday and Friday where you could get to meet him. And yeah, I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited to go and uh, attend those, and you know, uh, meet Matsui in person. Maybe get you know uh, that Nero volume that I promised I'd get signed for Colton signed. It, it, so. it, it, hey, hey! Even if it's not signed, I will, I will still gladly accept a volume of Nero anyway. Sure, or maybe a, a classroom volume if I can't get the Nero volume in time. But <laughs> either way, I'll get, I'll get something for Colton to commemorate the occasion. And otherwise, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. And so we're going to finally, in to celebrate the Yusei Matsui's appearance at New York Comic Con, we'll find, we're going to have a Yusei Matsui focused episode next week where we discuss both of Matsui's major works, Machin Taunting Nugami Nero and Assassination Costume, as well as, uh, him as a mangaka in general and some of his, you know, one shots. And then after our discussion of his works, we're going to have a fun little game. And, uh, we might be joined well, I think we will be joined by a special guest. Uh, Colton, would you like to say who that is? Yeah, do we do we do we want to announce that or do we want to keep it as a surprise? I'm I'm kind of debating with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, fine. We'll 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 just, we'll just put it out there, maybe generate some interest. Uh I'm bringing on a um a new friend uh sort of who I've uh, I've had on life lessons the Gintama Maga cast um I am going to be bringing on uh Bomber D Rufi who um has been basically uh unofficially translating the Gintama manga for about 9 years at this point I think he's mm-hmm. he's been translating Gintama for a long time so uh not only are we going to have somebody on who who um who has a pretty good grasp of the of of the japanese language um i believe um i believe he's even like i think back in the day he even translated a few chapters of nero too so i know yes i definitely saw his name on uh, some chapters towards the end of nero yeah yeah so you know not only has he had a hand in helping translate nero at some point i think um he he'll he probably has more of a story to tell when he, when he comes on he'll probably mention it but i think i think he mentioned to me that he at some point was going to help translate assassination classroom but i think uh, i think like another scanlation group like took it from him before he could <laughs> um so he 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 almost got the work on assassination classroom 
But uh, regardless, you know, like I said, not only are we bringing someone with, you know, some with with a good amount of knowledge of the language, we're also bringing on somebody who is pretty familiar with Matsui's works as well. So that'll be fun. And that will be great for when he is a judge for a very special little game that we're going to be doing at the end of the episode. Yeah, he'll be sort of a referee of sorts. Yes, uh, I don't want to give away too much about the game, but if uh, if you're a fan of Stream Junkies movie fights, uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit similar to that, and I'm very excited to try that out. Um, and hopefully, I'm I, I'm aiming to have that have that episode in particular probably edited and probably released on October sixth. I think that's you said that's the day of um, Matsui's panel, or is it yes. the seventh? I think it might the have been. Sixth. Okay, either either the sixth or the seventh, maybe maybe even like on a, on a Wednesday, like usual. Um, just just letting people know ahead of time if it's if the episode isn't out on Wednesday, it'll definitely be out on that Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if it's a little later than usual. But we just we will probably release it on on Friday, most likely to uh, commemorate the panel, the day of the panel. Um. So yeah, that's that's basically what we're going to be doing next episode. Uh, hopefully, everybody will look forward to that and will enjoy it. Yes, I am very excited for this. Yeah, we're we're definitely going to be talking at like Sid said. We're going to be talking at length about uh, Nero and Assassination Classroom, both along with some of his other miscellaneous works. We might, depending on how much we talk, we might not discuss a lot of news unless like something really big happens. Probably. I think that'll be a pretty light. Uh, if we talk about news at all, we'll go through it pretty fast. The focus is going to be our discussion of Matsui's works and on our little uh, game at the end, where we have a little, have a little, uh, you know, fun discussing Matsui series in a little kind of competition of sorts. So, so don't be surprised if we don't talk about any news next uh, next episode. Uh, assumedly things will probably go back to normal the episode afterwards but you know we we wanted to try something different you know something where you know because we we want to try something where we don't we where we aren't just talking about news all the time we thought we'd try something different and we hope people enjoy it yeah uh thank you everybody for listening to this episode of of the manga mavericks podcast on allcomic.com uh and thank you sid for recording this with me like always yes this was a very fun episode and I'm very looking forward to next week as well. Oh, me too, me too. But uh, for now, we'll have to end the show. But before we do that, Sid, where can the good people find you? You can find me as at Mamonyasha on Twitter and my anime list, as well as Animation Revelation. And, and that's it? Yeah. Oh, wow. That was, that was short and sweet. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh, yeah, go follow all of Sid's stuff. Um, but if you want to... You want to follow anything I'm doing? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well at SniperKing323. That's S N I P E R K I N G three two three. I do a lot of other podcasts. I, I mentioned Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. If you're a fan of Gintama, anime or manga, even though we cover the manga specifically, uh, specifically the old Viz Media release, you should go check that out at GintalifeLessons.wordpress.com. Um, you want to hear me talk about Toriko? There's the Heavenly Kings podcast at HeavenlyKings.com. If you want to hear me talk about Detective Conan slash Case Closed, I believe we mentioned that at the top of the show. Uh, you can go listen to that at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. Um, and I think that's about it for all my other podcasts. Um, but if you want to find more of this podcast, if you want to find more Manga Mavericks, um, 
You can find all of our podcast episodes at all-comic.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. And if you want to email us uh, a short or long email otherwise, uh, you can email us like Allison did. Uh, email us anything about manga, any questions you may have regarding manga, anything you want to say about the podcast in general. You can email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Please do that if you if you so wish. But I think that's going to be it for this episode. This has been episode 16 of Manga Mavericks. And we'll see you guys next time for our very special Matsui episode, episode 17. Bye, guys. Sayonara. <laughs>